Chapter 61 of the Wyvern Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Wyvern Mystery by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter 61 The Hour and the Man. Supper time came, and Tom Orange did not return darkness closed over the old cottage the poplar trees and the town and the little boy said his prayers under the superintendence of worthy marjorie and went to his bed he was disturbed in his sleep by voices talking in the room he could only keep his eyes open for a little time and he saw tom orange talking with mammy he was at one side of the little table and she at another and his head was leaning forward so as to approach uncomfortably near to the mutton fat with a long snuff in the middle mammy as he indiscriminately called granny was sobbing bitterly into her apron and sometimes with streaming eyes speaking so low that he could not hear to tom orange interesting as was the scene slumber stole him away and when he next awakened tom was gone and mammy was sitting on the bed crying as if her heart would break when he opened his eyes she said oh darlin darlin my man my own own blessed man my darlin and she hugged him to her heart he remembered transports similar when two years ago he was very ill of a fever i'm not sick mammy indeed i'm quite well and with these assurances and many caresses he again fell asleep in the morning his sunday clothes to his wonder were prepared for him to put on the little old faded crimson carpet-bag which she had always told him to the no small content of his self-importance was his own stood plump and locked on the little table under the clock his chair was close beside mammy's she had all the delicacies he liked best for his breakfast there was a thin little slice of fried bacon and a new-laid egg and a hot cake and tea quite a grand breakfast mammy sat beside him very close her arm was round him she was very pale she tried to smile at his prattle and her eyes filled up as often as she looked at him or heard him speak now and then he looked wonderingly in her face and she tried to smile her old smile and nodded and swallowed down some tea from her cup she made belief of eating her breakfast but she could not when the wondering little man had ended his breakfast with her old kind hands she drew him towards her sit down on my lap my precious my own man my beautiful boy my own angel bright oh darlin 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 and she hugged the boy to her heart and sobbed over his shoulder as if her heart was bursting he remembered that she cried the same way when the doctor said he was safe and sure to recover mammy he said kissing her amy has birthdays and i think this is my birthday is it no darlin no no she sobbed kissing him no 
my darling, no. Oh, no, taint that. She got up hastily and brought him his little boots that she had cleaned. The boy put them on, wondering, and she laced them. With eyes streaming, she took up one of the little cork boats, which he kept on the window stool, floating in a wooden bowl. You'll give me one of them, darling, to old Mammy for a keepsake? Oh, yes, choose a good one, the one with the gold paper on the pin. That one sails the best of all. And, and, she cried bitterly, before she could go on, and this is the little box I'll put them in. And she picked them out of the bowl and laid them in a cardboard box, which she quickly tied round. And this is the last day of poor Mammy with her bright only darling. For your friends are sending for you today, and Mr. Archdale will be here in ten minutes, and you're to go with him. Oh, my precious, the light of the house, and to leave me alone. The boy stood up, and with a cry ran and threw his arms round her, where she stood near the clock. Oh, no, no, no! Oh, Mammy, you wouldn't! You couldn't! You couldn't! Oh, darling, you're breaking my heart. What can I do? Don't let me go! Oh, Mammy, don't! Oh, you couldn't! You couldn't! But what can I do, darling? Oh, darling, what can I do? I'll run away, Mammy, I'll run away, and I'll come back when they're gone and stay with you. Oh, God Almighty, she cried, here he's coming. I see him coming down the hazel road. Hide me, Mammy, hide me in the press. Oh, Mammy, Mammy, you wouldn't give me to him. The boy had got into this large old painted press and coiled himself up between two shelves. There was hardly a moment to think, and yielding to the instinct of her desperate affection and to the child's wild appeal, she locked the door and put the key in her pocket. She sat down. She was half stunned by her own audacity. She scarcely knew what she had done. Before she could recover herself, the door darkened. A hand crossed the hatch and opened it. An ex-Sergeant Major Archdale entered the cottage. In curt military fashion, he announced himself and demanded the boy. She was looking straight in this formidable man's face, and yet it seemed as if he were vanishing from before her eyes. "'Where's the boy?' inquired the chill, stern voice of the sergeant. It seemed to her like lifting a mountain, this effort to speak. She felt as if she were freezing as she uttered the denial, "'He ain't here.' "'Where is he?' demanded the sergeant, in perturbably clear-cold voice. "'He's run away,' she said with an effort, and the sergeant seemed to vanish quite away, and she thought she was on the point of fainting. The sergeant glanced at the breakfast-table and saw that the two had taken tea together.' He saw the carpet-bag packed. Hmm, intimated Archdale with closed lips. He looked round the cottage room, and the sergeant sat down wonderfully composed, considering the disconcerting nature of the announcement. 
the ex-sergeant major had in his time commanded parties in search of deserters and he was not a bad slot-hound of that sort he breakfasted with you said he with a cool nod toward the table there was a momentary hesitation and she cleared her voice and said yes archdale rose and placed his fingers on the teapot that's hot said the sergeant with the same inflexible dignity marjorie was awfully uneasy he can't be far which way did he go out by the door i can't tell the ex-sergeant major might have believed her the goddess of truth itself or might have thought her the most impudent liar in england you could not have gathered in the least from his countenance toward which view his conclusions tended the sergeant's light cold gray eye glided round the room and there was another silence awfully trying to our good friend marjorie chapter sixty one recording by john brandon